Love. Welcome to the e-commerce marketing society podcast, a podcast for women who want to grow their online store or e-commerce brand by improving their marketing. I'm your host, Lisa Byrne, an e-commerce marketing coach for women with 20 years of marketing experience under my belt. I help women increase sales and decrease stress by helping them focus on the right things instead of doing all the things. As well as hearing from me, I gather my favorite women in e-commerce to share their stories of growth and expertise because we all know it takes a village to grow a successful business. Welcome to the society. Let's get focused and have some fun. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 30. How cool is that? Dirty 30. I'm pretty excited to reach that milestone. And like always, I'm so thrilled that you are here uh, listening and connecting with me and learning and yeah, sharing your support. I really appreciate it. So today, speaking of total legends, we have Eleanor Cullen from We Might Be Tiny. Eleanor's brand is so well loved, not just here in Australia, but globally, which is a huge achievement. Eleanor and I worked together last year while we focused on her direct-to-consumer side of the business after she had a lot of success in the wholesale and retail side of her business. So we are diving deep into all about how she started, how she went from a career right into a full-time gig with her We Might Be Tiny, what her marketing looked like back when she started, lessons and wins of how her marketing changed over time, including her recent hire, bringing her lovely sister on board and how her business has since changed. We also talk about working with influencers. So there's some really, really good tips on how to do that in this episode, plus how Eleanor has invested in herself over the years and the advice that she has for other women in the business trenches start trying to grow their business. So this is an absolute gem of an episode. So it's very fitting that Eleanor is sitting at episode 30 with me. And if you want to work with me, I'm creating, well, I have created a new service, which is a marketing strategy done in a day. So this is a very limited service and it's come from the desire for women just to keep on cracking, but with a very clear map in hand. And I can give you that marketing direction and that map in a day. So reach out to me on my website or send me an email. My website is lisaburn.com.au and we can get your marketing going. So without further ado, here is the wonderful Eleanor from We Might Be Tiny. Hey, Eleanor, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. I can't believe it's taken me this long to get you on. We've we've known each other for over a year, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So we worked together for a period of time last year. What what year are we? Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> I know it's all such a blur, isn't it? Yeah. I think we started working together in October 2020. Yes. yes I think that's yeah. Right. And then we went over into the to the start of this year. Yes, yeah. And you're obviously in Victoria, so you've copped the brunt of lockdown. And yeah, a lot has happened in your business over the past, I want to say, yeah, six months. Yeah. Lots of changes. 
that we were working towards yeah. get in. So before we jump in, introduce yourself, please. Okay, my name's Eleanor. I'm the founder and designer at We Might Be Tiny, which is a, a minimalist children's tableware brand. I started uh, the brand almost six years ago. So it's like it's probably about five and a half years now. And yeah, I've been running it, running it since. It was a side gig for three years and about two years ago now I've, I've made it my full-time job. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you've grown so much and globally and we can talk about like what your footprint looks like now in that's a really short period of time, six years, that's fast. Yeah, it has. It's just, it's grown way beyond what I ever imagined it would be. Yeah. It was really just meant to be something as, you know, a bit of a side project that would, you know, keep me interested and something to do while I was on maternity leave. And it just grew and grew. And I'm sort of a bit, every day I pinch myself. I'm just like, this is crazy, but I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. That's so funny that you said you started on maternity leave. Like so many conversations I've had with founders, they're like, yeah, I thought I was going to have all this spare time on my my hands. I was going to keep myself busy. So I decided to start a business. And really when you're on maternity leave, that's the most hectic time. But women seem to have this spark of creativity or they they finally see something in a different light. Was that how it worked for you? Yeah, definitely. Like I, so I was sort of starting to head back to work at that time when I realized because I I live out in um you know 55 k's out of Melbourne and my job is in the city so I was commuting three to, three hours a day basically to oh. get to work and my days would you know be sort of 7 a.m till 7 p.m or 8 p.m sometimes and you know the thought of going back to work and having my son in childcare and you know just how he, how we cope with you know being in childcare for that long and it just stressed me out and I just started to think you know this is not sustainable and so I, I did two things. I enrolled in an MBA program. So I started doing my MBA, which was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did that. And then I also started this business. So I don't, I, before this, though, I'd, I started doing a little bit of freelance work. I, so I'm a UX designer by trade. That's what I've been doing for the last you know, 10, 20 years now. But so I started doing a little bit of freelancing and that just doing some user experience design and, and doing building prototypes and doing UX reviews on websites, that kind of thing. But it was very labor intensive because obviously it's a more service-based business. And so I found it was just too much. And this I, I found when, when, and then I, um, you know, my son Freddie started feeding and then I was looking for tableware at the time. I was looking for a placemat actually, and I just couldn't find one. And then I thought, oh, maybe there's a bit of a gap here. And so I did a bit of research, couldn't find anything and, yeah, just started researching manufacturers, designed my own placemats and then went from there and then I realised that this, hey, this could be something and I put it out on, I created an Instagram account, took some really bad photos <laughs> and put them on Instagram. So this is back when everyone would see everything on Instagram so it was yes. Yes, no algorithms and, yeah, and people just started saying, you know, can I buy these? And people started approaching me for wholesale as well, saying we'd love to we'd love to st- stock these in our shop as well, which I was like, wow, that's amazing. I hadn't really thought about that. And it just kind of went from there. But I think it really helped because so I, I started my MBA at the same time and I just, my first subject was marketing. And one of the subjects I had, one of the topics I had to do was um, create a, a marketing plan for a new business. So I used that yeah. to create the, create the marketing plan for We Might Be Tiny. And that really helped. Like I, I create all of my, I worked out the pricing structure and I thought about wholesale and even an, another step, which was distribution as well. And so I sort of, I did that all first and worked out the pricing correctly. Um, oh my gosh. Been, yeah, I know not many people have done that and it's, it wasn't, 
it was sort of luck, I think, that I, I would have never done that if I wasn't doing my MBA at the same time. But I think having worked that out the pricing and the margins properly to begin with, it really put me ahead in terms of being able to just scale up my wholesale really quickly and move straight into like distribution models globally as well. Yeah, incredible. So yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact that you start an MBA and a business at the same time while on maternity leave, it's like, wow, women just completely overload their plate. But you know, what a stroke of, you know, luck, genius that you were learning those crucial business elements so early in your journey. And that's essentially helped you, I guess, create three revenue streams. Would you say you've got your direct to consumer, you've got your wholesale, and then you've got your distributor. Yeah, that's right. So if one, you know, that obviously all ebb and flow at some point in the business or the journey, but you've got that consistent ability to bring in sales and I guess also increase your minimum order quantity as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So when I first started in the business, it was very different to what it is right now. So I was mainly, because I was still working full-time, I wasn't actually spending that many hours on the business. So I was just working at nighttime when I, you know, after I got my son to bed, it was sort of, you know, between the hours of, you know, 8 p.m. and and midnight. That's when I was actually working on the business. And so at that time I was just doing, I was mainly doing wholesale and distribution. So I found through Instagram, a lot of people found me, like a lot of the stores had had found me that way. So yeah, that was kind of my focus. And, you know, I was doing, I was doing less than six figures in sales on my direct to consumer on on my Shopify website. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a big, it wasn't a big portion of sales at all for me. It was mainly international sales and wholesale sales. Interesting. So you've done it kind of the other way. Yeah. 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 And so do you think it was in 2020 that you wanted to take a bigger shift towards direct to consumer? Yeah, definitely. So when I, so when I first quit my full-time job and started working in, in this business, I, um, I had an agent, I had a wholesale agent at the time and they were doing a great job, you know, getting new wholesale clients. And I decided that I wanted to take on the wholesale myself. I was losing a lot of margin. So they, you know, they take sort of between 15, 20% usually. So I was losing a lot of margin. I, I decided to bring the wholesale back in internally and, I also realized that I needed to also focus on my my online sales as well because mm. there was always a risk of the, you know, as you said, you need to have, I think, multiple revenue streams. And there was always that risk that I was relying on other on other avenues and other businesses to to boost the sales. And yeah. And so so yeah, that's it at the end of 2020, I think that's when I, I started working with you and really just wanted to boost my it just improved my overall Shopify site, improve my conversions, grow my email list and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember looking into your analytics on Shopify and there was um, incredible months, like huge months. And then there was months that were, you know, much smaller. So one of the goals I think was just to get some consistency. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That year. So the 2020 last year was really up and down because because of COVID, my factory had shut down for the beginning of January, uh, January, February. And I, so I didn't really have any stock until about, I think it was about April. Yeah. And so in April, you would have seen a big increase yeah. in sales because everyone basically bought everything that I just received. And then I was out again. So yeah. May was like dead because I had no stock again. And then I had to order again. And so I, I think I've got a big bump in sales again in June. And then it went down again. And then there was Christmas. And so it went up again for Christmas. But yeah, it was really inconsistent. 
Yeah, and I remember one of the things was, you know, you were maybe kicking yourself that you didn't order more. Yeah. Or because you sort of, and this goes for everybody, they think, well, you know, you're conservative or you're modest thinking, oh, gosh, no, surely I'm not going to sell out that many. Yeah. Where really, you know, if you're onto something good and you've been consistent to that point in time, you pro- that was probably a good time to make that big leap yeah. in order quantity. And Yeah, definitely. I was, I was definitely, yeah, just playing it small, I guess, and being very conservative with my ordering. And also um, the other thing with ordering is I would just order across the whole range and not mm. really look at my analytics to see, okay, which product is actually doing well and which one do I need to order a lot more of? Because there's some clear, there's some clear colours that people just love and they always gravitate towards. So instead of just ordering the same amount each time, like actually focusing on which was, you know, what was actually doing well. Yeah. And I guess at that time you were doing everything in the business. So to be to get more strategic like those things that you were talking about you had to find more time because, you know, otherwise you do everything in the business. You can only do it to a certain point of, you know, strategy. And that's kind of where we were focused really. We were were looking at, okay, so where are you spending your time? As the CEO, are you focused on those CEO growth driving tasks? If not, how can we make that happen? And so, you know, very early on, we're like, right, we need to build your team. And that is such a tricky thing for so many people. And I think it's underestimated how tricky that is yeah. and, and what that looks like to the business and how you find that ideal person. How do you let that trust go? And gosh, it's, it really is fraught, especially when our businesses are our babies. Yeah. And yeah. you were so lucky, weren't you, that you had a sister. so I actually my first hire was actually a VA so I did actually get I think it was January when I was heading I was I went to Queensland for a holiday and I just knew that I wouldn't be able to look after the customer service inquiries that were coming through and so I hired a a virtual assistant and so she's now taken over my all of my emails I set up gorgeous you know the so all of the emails because all every single email was coming to my personal inbox at one point And it was too much. It was really, it was so overwhelming. And so I set up a few things in the background, like, you know, creating a new email account so that all the customer service emails would go there, setting up gorgeous so that they would all funnel into that channel and make sure that all the, you know, Facebook comments, Instagram DMs and comments would Mm. all go into there as well. And then I hired a virtual assistant who was able to take that off my hands. That was the first thing that I needed to it needed to go like it was absolutely it was also really stressful and I, I know that many people still do their own customer service but it really gets you down when you get you know and with I guess with any growth you also get an increase in increase in emails an increase in complaints and it even though the proportion of complaints is still small compared to the amount of sales you're making it feels like you're getting a lot more complaints and it really gets you down oh, <laughs> like, as absolutely. A owner, like reading that something hasn't worked or you know, that there's a, there's a little manufacturing defect that really gets you down. And I think that was really impacting my ability to, to just work on things that I needed to work on. So handing that customer service off was, was definitely, yeah, amazing. And I just never would want to do that again now. Um, (laughs) It's um, funny how some, I'm sure listeners who have got a business, they look at your brand and think, wow, it's so big, it's so successful. But little do they know that behind the scenes, you know, there may be an owner still answering those emails. Yeah. Um, and so they can look at themselves and their own business and think, okay, you know, I'm not that far behind. But yeah. the first thing to get rid of, get rid of, outsource or delegate, yeah, inboxes, customer service, bookkeeping. Have you outsourced that yet? I have. I have now. 
outsource okay. my bookkeeping too, which was also <laughs> a massive win because I used to spend a lot of time just reconciling numbers and stuff. And yeah, that yeah, that was massive and it's been a huge help as well. But yeah, with the customer service emails, just when you receive an email saying, hi team, um, ah. hi guys, and you're like, it's just me. <laughs> yeah. Can you let Eleanor know? Yeah. <laughs> That was quite funny. But yeah, so after, and then after working with you, I also realized I needed to hire someone else to help with my marketing. And so I brought on my sister. She's been part of my business in some way for, you know, since I started anyway. She's attended all of my trade shows, all of my markets that I've done. And she's always, you know, I've always bounced ideas off her anyway. So I'd always, you know, sort of hinted to her that I wanted to hire her. So when the time came, I just had to, you know, make sure that I, I did everything properly and I, I hired a HR person to help me put together a proper contract and offer to her because I wanted to make sure, you know, she's my sister, so I didn't want to take advantage as well. She also had a really successful job in in a marketing role in a pharmaceutical company. So I had to be able to match what she was getting already. I couldn't just yeah. you know, take her and expect her to just work for nothing. So that was really great getting her on board. So she started in February this year and yeah, she's just been amazing though. Just you know, she just loves, she loves everything about the business as well. So she's really keen and she's been handling all of my email marketing and I've got, she's helped me put together based on what you created, actually the content marketing plan, putting together a bit more of a calendar of what we're, what we're doing. Um, And so we've got, you know, weeks in advance now of, of the campaigns that we'll be running. And it's just like, just knowing that that's taken care of is, is incredible. And it just frees me up to do other things. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. I'm so glad that she's in your business now. And have you seen a, a, a difference, I guess, internally is one thing, but externally, are you seeing, seen a massive jump in sales or open rates? Like, have you seen the impact of her joining the business? Yeah, I, I, it's, I haven't actually gone and, and looked at, you know, in detail, but I do, there's a feeling that mm. it has. Like I, when we look at the open rates, they've, they've increased slightly. But I would say that the overall sales of it have also increased because we're sending more campaigns. So for yeah. every campaign, you get a result. Whereas in the past, I was very ad hoc. I would maybe yeah. send out maybe once, once or twice a month. Now we're sending two a week consistently, and there's always a result from them. Like there, you always get a return from them. Yeah, so it's yeah, definitely. Definitely. And they're very high quality. I always love getting your emails and also your social media, you know, at the top of the funnel and probably yeah, where your business was born and how you initially attracted those customers. That has also shifted up a gear too, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I've, I've had a few different strategies with my social media. So the majority of the time I've been managing it myself and I've had a few people come in and, and help out at times. But at the moment, it's brought back in-house and Rachel, my sister, is looking after that at the moment. It is also becoming a bit too much for us now. And I think mm. I would probably look at maybe hiring internally again for that role. Yeah, I do, I, I do feel like it's almost a full-time job just to, you know, just to make sure that you're posting consistently across the various channels as well as engaging and, and building your community. So, yeah, Rachel is doing a great job with that at the moment, but we, I just think probably time to look at another, another hire soon, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. I mean... You know, Rachel's. Um, it's, you've got to look at where you, where this, per, where the people are best spent. And it sounds like she's got a wealth of knowledge already, and she's working on higher revenue driving things. So, yeah, someone else can come into the business and take care of the Instagram, so she can focus on other things, and then you, in turn, can focus on other things, product development, you know, collaborations, that kind of thing. Yeah. Really growing, and it's always an interesting 
like decision whether to hire internally or outsource. And I think if you if you reach a certain point in your business where you can afford to have someone inside your business to grow with you, it's I think it's better to invest in a person rather than an agency. It's just a completely different experience. Yeah, no, it's been, it's, I always sort of go between the two, but I do think at this point, we do need someone to be almost part of the team and have an awareness of everything that we're working on in the background and just be part of, yeah, just be part of the whole thing. And even, you know, being able to come along to events because we do what, when we can, we try and do a you know, public events when we can, the markets. And it would be great to have someone to be able to come along and actually, you know, record a video of us at the market and and that kind of stuff, like actual create content creation yeah. while we're working. And I, and I don't think you, it'd be a bit more difficult to get that from a from an external person, I think. Yes, so much more difficult. And it may seem like a freelancer or an agency is an easier option, but when you need to be reactive and creating content and doing mini photo shoots and, you know, rolling your sleeves up if it, if, if it need be, then having that person on the ground is so much more efficient yeah. and, uh, and effective if, like you say, especially when it comes to content. Yeah. Yeah. So how has your marketing changed over time? So your strategy? It has changed quite a lot. So, um, yeah, even when I, look, when I think back to even two years ago, I had very little email marketing list. You know, I was using MailChimp, I think, at the time, and I probably had like maybe 4,000 subscribers and I was hardly sending any email campaigns. And when I, so when I went full-time in the business is when I really started improving everything. I switched over to Klaviyo and I've now grown my email list. What is it? Probably six or seven times that now. I focused on building lead magnets. So I've, I've created, I've worked with these amazing nutritionists over in Perth who generate content for me all the time. So they create and develop these beautiful recipes and photography. And I've created lots of little booklet so I've got like a, a toddler food guide a baby led weaning guide and every couple of months actually I'm releasing a new booklet full, filled with recipes and they've helped really increase my email sign up so I put them out on and I usually will create Facebook ads and yeah just having them available and people are willing to give out give their email address for those for those resources that's really helped to build my email list what else I've obviously invested a lot more in Facebook ads and Google ads mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't doing those at all two years ago. What else? SEO. Yeah, SEO. So I did work with an agency for six months who helped me in, improve SEO as well. I still think I've got a lot to do on that, but but yeah, that was amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, I've, as, you know, my background is in digital, so I always knew that it was important and it's something that I, something that I worked on, but to have someone dedicated to it, I think is, is quite important. Yeah. And you've also gotten more strategic with working with micro-influencers and yeah, talk us through a little bit about that because you did a recent launch. Well, I guess it's probably a few months ago now, isn't it? Your stamp collection. Yeah. It was like April, I think it was. Yeah. So that was one of Rachel's first big projects that she helped with. And it was, it was so cool. So we basically sent out the new stampies so it's a set of 15 cookie stamps and it's kind of new like it's not it's not really anything that's available like this in the market so I think it was quite unique and interesting for people and we sent out 80 packs of those to various influencers around Australia they were mainly micro influencers so they weren't like huge accounts but they were really you know small brand reps 
who, you know, had a really engaged following and took really nice photos. And so we just did a call out on the Australian Brand Reps page, actually on Facebook, did a call out and showed showed people the product and said who would like to receive one of these in exchange for a, a reel. So we, we got people to try and commit to a reel, um, a video, so that they, so that would, you know, generate content for us and also, you know, create a little bit more of a splash on Instagram. Yeah, um, and that was it. Was such a successful campaign. I think a hundred. We had a hundred percent post rate for. Whoa. We actually had a record of everyone, and, and Rachel went through and made sure everyone posted, and they everyone did. It was amazing. And we, the day that we launched, we basically flooded Instagram with <laughs> with the stampies. Yeah, I, I remember getting, that. I was getting feedback from everyone, just saying, "Oh, I'm just seeing these everywhere." Yeah, it just created such a buzz about them, yes. and and a bit of FOMO, I think. Yes, yeah. And so how did you reach out to those 80 people initially? So you've, you, did you get most of the attraction from the brand reps page or did you do some proactive reach out as well? We did some proactive reach out too. So we also, just from our own you know, knowledge and, and people who we follow, we, we created a spreadsheet of people who we wanted to work with. And we did actually reach out to a couple of big people so we do you know Kyle and Cara from yes yeah so we sent we sent them it was a bit of a chance thing we just emailed them and said hey we've got these stampies would you like to receive a set we think you'd love them and we sent it to them we didn't we sort of weren't expecting anything but they they shared some stories on on the night so which we were were really excited about but yeah there's a few a few there was a couple of big ones that we sent them to but mainly mainly micro influencers I'd say yeah Um, and then we just we either emailed them or we contacted them via DM and then what we did to make sure I guess and to create that engagement was we created DM groups in Instagram so Rachel set these up so that we we would give everyone an update of you know when they were launching what date what time we'd love people to post and also for them to share their what they'd created so you know there were sort of groups of about 15 people I think in each group and they were sharing each other's they were sharing their what they'd created like this reel and so there was there was also a little bit of competition I think between yes between the influencers saying oh wow I love what you've created I'm going to have a go at doing that and so it, it was it was really successful in that Gosh, way it's genius um, yeah. where did you get the idea of doing the dm groups I think the DM groups just came from working with various brands in the past where we'd been part of competitions. Yeah. Um, so often if you're ever part of like a loot giveaway or something, they will create a DM group. And so we thought that would be a good a good way to communicate. The other thing we did too was we created a Dropbox folder so that everyone could share their content with us. So we've, mm. with, we've got so much content now. Like I've got content probably for the next, you know, three years in specific to the Stampies. That's um, incredible. We haven't, like we haven't even shared half of it yet. It's just, it's been amazing. Yeah. And so I guess you've got a little database of, you know, brand reps that yeah, you can use do, to yeah. launch with. Yeah. yeah, and so we've been going back. A few of them who who you know were really generous with their with their time and with their content. We've contacted again, and we've we've now worked with again on a few other products that we've launched since then. So it's been it's been great to have that. It's a little community now that's, that's supporting and and sharing what we're doing. So good, amazing, and it's interesting to hear. You know, because I get a lot of questions about, well, how do I reach out or I don't know them or how do I get started? Or like, you know, the Kyle and Cara example, like they would never share my stuff. So I'm not going to bother. And it's good to hear that it can be done. It just takes the effort. Like you do have to roll up your sleeves and, and dedicate some time to it. You know, granted, you guys had a lot of 
the brand awareness and relationships probably semi-established, but I'm sure there was plenty of people that you reached out to that hadn't yet worked with you before. So the investment, yes, it takes someone's time. Obviously, that took a lot of time and the product cost and the shipping, but hey, it's worked out and it wasn't a flash in the pan. It's something that you can repeat and get more creative with. And I love that you've cherry-picked people that have, you know, really done some good stuff for you that you can leverage moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was such a, it was a great campaign and it was, uh, we definitely learned a lot of good things from it that we're going to now take forward into future ones. So, yeah. So good. And what would you, what kind of advice would you have for someone who is yet to do like a micro-influencer campaign or reach out? Just do it. Like, I know that people are very tied to, you know, having contracts in place and all this sort of stuff. And yes, I do agree that they are important, but I think also being generous and being, you know, just putting it out there and saying, hey, I'm happy to give you product. And yes, you may not, you may get some people who who don't post for you, but I think, I think it's fine. I think the majority of the time you'll get, you'll get back what you give, I think. Yeah. Like you'll have, you might send out, say you send out five packs to people, you might get one of them who's extra generous that makes up for the one that doesn't post, you know? So I just, I I just don't think that you should hesitate. I think you should, you know, set aside a little bit of your budget to be able to invest in something like that. And, and you create, yeah, you create um, ambassadors for your brand as well. Mm -hmm. Like people who, who genuinely love your product will just keep sharing. So it's not going to be just a one-off, a one-off thing. People like, for example, with the stampies, people are still sharing their photos now of yeah. kids using the stampies. And yeah, it's yeah, definitely. So good. Yeah. If you like you say, think head into it with the right intention and the right, you know, energy, and that'll come back to you. I like I that. So yeah. Yeah. And so what else have you done in terms of, you know, growing your business? Have you know, we work together. Have you found investing in yourself and like learning new skills or getting support has been like beneficial to your business growth? Oh, definitely. I I definitely have not done this on my own. I've got a really amazing network of other business owners who I chat with every day. So Naomi from Bobo and Boo is one of them. Yeah. Every day. (laughs) We are always on Facebook Messenger. But yeah, there's a few other, a few other ladies who, who have businesses in the similar niche who I'm, I'm chatting to all the time and we're just bouncing ideas off each other. And the other thing is also doing some paid courses. So I've done, you know, I've done the Facebook ads course with the Digital Picnic. Um, I've also done the Facebook ads course with Shopify Academy. And I made sure that I understood all of that before I outsourced it. And I think one of the podcasts I was just listening to of yours recently was talking about how it's really important to to actually understand what you're doing before you give it away. And that's that's definitely been my mantra. Like I always understand something before I outsource it. Because yes. how you went to measure, you, ha- you need to you need to know what you're talking about. Otherwise, you can't you can't accurately measure how whether they're you know whether they're doing a good job or not. Yes. Um, so yeah, Facebook ads und- understanding. I I made sure I understood that before outsourcing it. Google ads. I have I did Katie Griffin's course. Yeah. Ads, which was amazing. She is such a fantastic teacher. Yeah, uh, and such a soothing voice as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, so I've done her um, Google Ads training, and I set all of that up myself, and had a really good understanding of it. And then after that, I handed it over because I, I realized that you still had to, you still had to be able to monitor it and tweak it, which I still didn't have time for. So, yes, and then other than that, podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I go for my morning walk, I listen to either your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a few others, though, if you want me to yeah. share some. So, um, yeah, the e-commerce influence, which is another one that you referred me to. I love that love one, it. Austin. Yeah. Yeah, love that one. The Shopify podcast and the unofficial Shopify podcast. Yes. Fantastic. Yours, Katie Griffin's. Kath Langman has a great one, the Productpreneur pod- podcast. And there's another one that I've been listening to for five years, which is the Biz Chicks podcast, which is actually a US-based one. Um, It's more for service-based businesses, but I find it fantastic. Just, yeah. So yeah, just podcasts. And yeah, I get get a lot from those. And I'm, I'm a natural researcher. Like I, anytime I, anytime I don't know something, I'll be Googling it and watching YouTube videos. And yeah. I was just going to say, learning seems to be at the center of everything all your business changes so you've you've yeah. taken responsibility to have a certain level of knowledge before you know taking that next leap yeah that's right yeah yeah and not the and I've done it before I'm you know the fairy godmother like you're looking you, you want to throw money at something to get a fairy godmother but it doesn't work out like that and it's an it is annoying because as a business owner you do feel like you're busy doing a million things and you don't have time to sit down to do a Facebook course or you think my brain can't cannot stretch that far to learn Facebook yeah. but there is a real risk in not doing that and paying someone else to do it you may learn some things on the way when you're using somebody else but you'll have certain, you know quicker r- runs on the board when you do have that yeah, Based I think knowledge. you can really level up too because you can like they might be doing just the very basic, and but you can ask by asking questions about what they're doing. It means they you hold them to a higher account and they're going to perform better. So I think it's it's really important to to have a, that understanding. Yeah, so true. And how long? I guess how long have you been teaching yourself these things for? Has it been like over a period of twelve months? Like, do you do do you have rules that you don't try and learn more than one thing at any time or? Um, I don't really have any rules around it, but I definitely try not to take on, yeah, too many. Like I don't, I don't just sign up for like lots of paid courses or anything like that. Um, it's more as a, on an ads ne- as as needs basis. So when I need to learn something, that's when I'll learn it. But yeah, I mean, I've been I've been working in digital for twenty years, and so I've I've been learning all the yeah. It's it's a nonstop thing for me. Um, yes, I'll always I'll always be learning and. Yeah, but I I do think yeah there are times that you you need to focus on different different aspects of your business. So when I first started working full time in the in the role, I focused very much on wholesale. So I I worked with a wholesale coach on that, and so I did a twelve month program just improving my wholesale. And that's when when I sort of I guess felt like I'd tackled that. That's when I I felt like I needed to work with you to really look at my direct to consumer sales. Yeah, yeah awesome. I guess it, you go through like different ebbs and flows in the business. So I think just yeah, focusing on on one or two things at a time and not not perfecting it because obviously nothing will ever be perfect, but mastering it, I guess, in in some way before moving on to the next thing is yeah, is probably the way to go. Yeah, and 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 it's funny how you said you you're in digital, so you're very for the past twenty years you're very um aware that things change and you have to continue learning and you and you're cool with that. Whereas if someone, someone I you know that hasn't necessarily been in digital for you know their past career, it feels like it's a it's a hard slog for them to continually learn. They think it's more like a one and done. But the the sooner you can get your head around the fact that yes, you will always be learning, and it'll won't just stop at you know the Facebook ads course or you know nailing setting up your email, like you're constantly going to be changing and your business grows. So yeah, like you said, you're going to constantly have to up-level that knowledge base. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. Well, you are one smart cookie. (laughs) Stamped cookie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. It doesn't, yeah, I feel, as I said, I feel like I'm always learning and and I do get asked questions a lot about particular things and I don't feel like I'm an expert in anything. I'm just, you know, just doing the best I can in each thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're obviously doing something incredibly right and um, it's so cool to see you grow and and um, get the help that you that you deserve and yeah can't wait to see what else is coming down the line have, have you got any new things coming that we can tell the we might be tiny hardcore fans about yes we are actually today launching some new little <gasps> muffin cups um, so it's just <laughs> they're just like really colorful muffin cups which are cute and then in a couple of weeks we're launching some a toddler cutlery set which is <gasps> a stainless steel cutlery set which I love my kids love them too so they're not the baby ones they're more for yeah like my six six and a half year old still uses them so they're a great solid cutlery set that you can use that's so cool yeah. I was just thinking when I was you know rifling through the crappy um Ikea spoons that I've got in the drawers thinking someone please come out with some knives and forks and spoons so yeah I'll definitely have to yeah these are, defi- these are like my go-to like whenever I'm setting the table now I grab these set for the kids which I think says a lot like I think Obviously, I love them, but yeah, <laughs> the fact that I well, am grabbing them means I do, they are actually useful. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're your target market too. So, yeah, yeah you got to love it. Oh, thank you so much. And I'll pop your link down um, in the show notes. And what's your Instagram handle, just in case nobody um, we knows? We might be tiny. So, Instagram, yeah.com. We might be tiny is the all one. Yeah. Word. I'm sure everybody knows who you are, but just in case. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So good chatting. Yeah, you too. That was, yeah, it was really great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. See you soon. See you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you loved what you heard, please head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and a review because it lets me know that what I'm doing is needed and I'll keep on churning out these podcast episodes for you. And it also helps other women get the help that they need. And if you want to work with me, head over to my website, lisaburn.com.au, and that's burn, B-Y-R-N-E. And you can check out the different ways you can work with me, whether it is one-on-one or in my group coaching program, Ecom Grow Strong. And I would love to hear from you. So send me a note and we can book in a time to to chat on the phone and figure out what's going on in your business, what's working and what isn't, and if you need my help. So thank you again, and I will speak to you soon.